Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of If I Only Knew. Today, my excellent co-host and I are going to be having a look at something that's uniquely modern and uniquely contemporary. We're going to have a bit of a dig into TikTok and some of the more modern social media trends. And we're going to look at them specifically in the way that they might be breeding certain kinds of discussions around mental health and mental wellness that might be a little bit counterproductive. So I'm here, as always, joined by Fred, who's got an excellent history in psychology. Say hi, Fred. Hello, listeners. How are we all? And I brought this topic to him today because I've been thinking recently about all the TikToks that I'm seeing that seem to be a dubious representation of actual wellness and information about psychology and might, in fact, actually be misleading. So what I'm describing here is the fact that We've spoken on this podcast before that the modern generation, younger people might actually have a really comfortable language around mental health and mental well-being. But there might well be some kind of consequences to this where sometimes it might become a bit casualized. And in fact, some people who perhaps don't know uh, as much as they might purport to know or aren't going into as much depth as they claim to be going into, could in fact be giving some listeners the wrong message. So TikTok is a platform that um, thrives on one minute video clips. And within one minute, I would suggest to you, Fred, that it's very difficult to get an accurate diagnosis for one's mental wellness and mental health conditions, right? I don't think that's enough time to conduct a psychological analysis. Can you can you confirm? For, for oh, look, I think you're in, in very safe territory there. <laughs> yeah, so I, this is my thinking. So in one minute, you probably can't learn oodles and oodles about your mental state. But there are a handful of TikTokers and plenty of these videos out there of people who are spending these one minutes providing a, a handful of um, potential symptoms or potential behaviours and then claiming that these describe the fact that someone might have an anxiety disorder or someone might be on the autism spectrum. So, for example, you might get a, a TikTok uh, for 30 seconds that says, if you're anxious in large crowds, don't like loud noises and struggle to do only one thing at a time, then you have ADHD. And what I think grates on me here is that some aspects of what's just been described in that TikTok might be true. Some elements of that might connect to people who have symptoms of ADHD. But I think it seems a little bit simplistic to say, if you have these things, you have ADHD in such a short space of time. And the problem here sits with the fact that I think a lot of people listen to these TikToks and take them to heart. And they say, oh, like that really spoke to me. Like, thanks. That's That resolves my conundrum or my searching about what's what I'm feeling, what's going on. On the one hand, people can feel much better if they have problems that they can label and they can relate to this kind of thing. But on the other hand, I feel like it's a, a, it can be a little bit misleading to pathologize and diagnose things like this over such a short, impersonal space of time. And, you know, it's a complex issue because there are excellent content creators on TikTok who have a, a whole breadth of expertise who do really good work. There's no doubt about that. But I'm talking specifically about what I feel is like pseudo-psychology on TikTok or perhaps like the bite-sizedification of psychology where we're taking really complex ideas and trying to make it clickable for an audience that has one minute to watch it. So that's kind of the intro spiel as to why I've been concerned and thinking about this, Fred. You've been nodding along to a bit of what I've been saying. Um, is this something that also concerns you? Is this something that you could see being a problem as well? Look, it, it's not just something that concerns me. It's something that the industry that I'm a part of has worked very hard to 
uh, attempt to contain. So I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Matt, but there are really strict rules about the sort of information that I, as a registered psychologist, could put out into the world around psychological content. Right. And the reason for that is a word that you use, the capacity to pathologize. So one of the examples you gave me was the idea of somebody putting up a checklist in a minute for, say, a common term like social anxiety. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, if you go to uh, psychology.org.au, which is the Australian Psychological Society, and you look at a topic which is open to the public like social anxiety, you will see there are hundreds of really well-researched, peer-reviewed papers mm. from reputable journals. You'll see that they might even boil some of the content down into fact sheets and self-support what they don't do is they never say, if you feel a certain way in a certain context, you must have dot, dot, dot. Hmm. And the reason for that is that it's very, it is counterproductive to pathologize human behavior. Hmm. I'll give an example. If I go to a function with my wife and her work friends where I know nobody and I realise I'm on display because of her position, but they're not my friends, would you expect me to experience some social anxiety? Hmm. The reality is, yes, I would, because that's a pretty normal reaction. Hmm. There's a difference between that reaction and not leaving the house because of a crippling anxiety hmm. um, that is clinically indicated significant and needs to be treated. So I think at the end of the day, um, there is a very real issue where human behaviour is very hard to codify, even if you're a professional. It is counterintuitive to pathologise normal behaviour. Hmm. And it's very difficult to pass on credible information with shortcuts, mm -hmm. okay? It just doesn't make sense. The other thing I put to you, Matt, is I often wonder why people put it out there. Mm. And this is my big thing. Are you putting it out there with some well-meaning sense of community inclusion or is this a bit of a cry for help? Mm. You know, is this more about you than it is about the audience that you want to see? And the cynic in me says, look, there's a lot of wounded people out there reaching for connection through social media. And other times it could be a little disingenuous. The fear I have is this, and we've talked about this because I hate this word, but the misinformation. Mm, yeah. Okay. Because misinformation that leads to pathology is like that old joke. I looked up my three symptoms on Google and it said I had seven days to live, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because uh, there is no standardised, credentialed, ethical body policing the content of non-professionals. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you could say whatever you want. And if that's your experience, you can talk to it like it's fact. Hmm. Let me give you an example, and I hate to say this right now, but it's the movement around or against immunisation and vaccination. Mm -hmm. Famously, there's a, a South Pacific island, I won't name which one, that had a really massive issue with getting kids immunised for chickenpox. Right. And they led some of the hesitation back to an influencer that's in Australia and that person is the wife of a, a, an NRL football player with a certificate three in nutrition. Hmm. 
So not a doctor, not an immunologist, a well-meaning person with a readily accessible um, certificate level qualification that is only so tangential to the issue. Hmm. But that person's opinion was justification for, a, and I'm talking about a population, hmm. and because of the collective nature of that population, to actually question hard medical data. Hmm. Now, that really scares me because hmm. it's all power and no responsibility, right? Hmm. So when you see stuff like that, because uh, you're right about one thing, didn't exist when I was a kid. There might have been pamphlets. <laughs> um, I, I think the first time I saw a checklist uh, around mental health was either Black Dog or Beyond Blue, and I can say both of those organisations are heavily involved in very credible research. <laughs> so it was... You know, and I'm sure there was stuff before then, but there are regulations around what professionals can do that don't apply to the non-professional or the pseudo-psychology. Mm -hmm. um, so do you think it influences your peers, mate? Is it a problem or is it just something for grumpy old men like me to complain about? No, I like that idea of the a notion of regulation in these spaces because social media and the internet is always thought of something that disrupts regulation. And in many ways, there's there's great benefits to that. But I do think this is a space where it poses a risk because people can latch onto things that are said very quickly and very easily. But I, like, it's a very complex issue for me because I think that there are some clear and present benefits from this kind of from this way of disseminating information. So one of the key ones that jumps out to me is the fact that it's an extremely low barrier to entry for this kind of discussion or this kind of like well-being process. Like, for example, I expect this could be a, a very good starting point for people who aren't quite sure about their mental health and they're looking for some kind of pointers or some kind of direction. But the, the flip side of that for me is that, well, sometimes I think people can actually substitute this kind of um, content for actual professional regulated help. Yeah. Uh, and I think an interesting element of that is that in fact that that substitution might actually interrupt any process to get more professional help because it's got such a low barrier to entry and it makes it might make people feel as if they don't need professional support because they have uh, online support, TikTok support. Yeah. And I think that like, if you're looking for an excuse not to seek help, and I think there are plenty of people who are looking for excuses not to seek help, then this could serve as a very straightforward way to find that excuse. You're saying, I already know what's wrong with me. I already know what's up. I can Google it from here on out sort of thing. Whereas I think that might be a bit of a, a simplification of the actual situation. I like the idea of legitimacy and regulation as well, because it, it allows me to differentiate between the very excellent content online and the more concerning and less reliable content that I'm taking issue with in this podcast. And I think that that's this idea of, well, there are people who are professional psychologists who, who do have an expertise in this area who are sharing some degree of knowledge through the internet because the internet is a fantastic platform to learn things and to share things. But I think that I like to imagine that those people have a bit more of a um, consideration for things like regulation than people who are simply putting their own experiences out there. But the final problem I have with this is the notion that there is some value to people's personal experiences and to sharing those experiences online. And I think that's something that we're learning a bit more about in the um, allied health profession as a space is the role of lived experience and, and people's own like stories and the, the things they have to say about themselves. And so for me, 
But one of the motivations, and you were asking about motivations before, before for it, I think one of the motivations for this might be that, well, the people creating these TikToks have found real positive benefits and positive forces from these checklists for themselves. It's allowed them to characterize themselves and put words to their feelings and, and understand their position in relation to uh, a, a rather complex profession like psychology. And so I think that like there could be this sense of, well, my lived experience has been one of a positive relationship with these checklists, with these kind of quite straightforward and simplified criterion for things because they've allowed me to understand myself. I think that is good and fair and appropriate. And sharing that doesn't by nature have to be a problem. But I think when you position that as saying, this is what I experienced, you're experiencing it as well, can become the danger zone, I think, to move into with these things, especially in such short videos, because they don't give space for nuance. And I think that, um, you know, creating these kind of organic communities based on what people feel and experience is an, an excellent opportunity presented by the internet. But I also think it contains these pitfalls of when one becomes a, a followed TikToker, when you're when you have a community and an influence, it's very easy for people, I think, to to listen to what you say as authoritative, when perhaps not everyone has that kind of legitimacy or expertise that um, warrants them being listened to as authoritative quite as much as other people. So I think that's why I'm like, it poses a conundrum for me because it is both an excellent opportunity for the democratization of information and a very low barrier to entry for these kind of things. But I also think it um, poses this real risk of oversimplification and yeah, just, just like almost interrupting people going any further because they think they've found the solution for themselves. Here I, I think that's the, there's something you said then that I'm drawn to, which is the democratization of information. I think we've talked about it before. Mm. And, and in that regard, somebody with the best intentions can still use those platforms in a way that unintentionally causes harm. And that's a concern for me. I want to make the point that regardless of my background in psychology, I'm a huge believer in consumer-based um, support and consumer-led recovery. And well before the internet, there was a, a, an organisation called Al uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Hmm. Others now know it as Al-Anon, which is for family and friends, Narcotics Anonymous, Narcanon. There are a whole range of 12-step fellowships that a lot of people have successfully used to either attain sobriety or... Uh, maintain sobriety uh, and really sort of work within the context of a consumer-led movement, excluding psychology to a mm. certain extent. And I've seen the power of that kind of fellowship where it, it absolutely has created miracles for people. The issue being it's governed by a set of rules and nobody is considered expert. Okay, they're on a journey, there is content, and it's about a lot of hard work and self-reflection. And I have to say, if anybody ever wants to understand the concept of a true introspective process, I would encourage them to look at the 12 steps that Alcoholics Anonymous use and some of the exercises out there. Uh, it is public domain, they put it out there for everybody. And something like a, a moral inventory of yourself something that could take months.
for some people, years for some people. The capacity to make amends is the process of many months, if, if it ever is completed. So it's the idea of a framework and a structure. I am not uh, denying the power of social media as an avenue to allow people to normalise concern. Mm. I worry when it takes the place of credentialed intervention. Mm. And I really worry about how it can be hijacked to perpetrate myths and misinformation that can hurt people. And I want to say, for all of the good information that might be available and delivered from people that have really good intentions, there is a capacity for people to put out through social media misinformation that can undermine social health. Mm. Anything that mixes religion, gender, sexuality, which is still out there and they can't necessarily police, is dangerous. Mm. Mm. Okay? And we're not that far off from a group of people saying, depending on who you choose to love, you may have a mental health issue, which we knew at the time they said it was false, which we knew at the time was never a diagnosable scenario. But how about struggling with your sexuality and being told it's a disease? Mm, mm, mm. And for some people, they would have latched onto that because I don't want to feel this way. So there are whole and comprehensive examples of how mass information has been used to perpetrate misinformation mm -hmm. and how a little bit of information has been used to drag people down the rabbit hole of quite insidious styles of treatment. The only thing I would say is you're a smart guy and I suspect that most of our listeners, most of your peers, most of my peers mm. are smart enough to do some due diligence. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And it's okay to use TikTok and whoever else. It was really powerful. It was great for, you know, your modern task rich, time poor lifestyle. So I understand the benefits of certain things, but I would say you have to balance that with true integrous research mm. you know you'd never take anything without question and the question is really simple is this person qualified mm. to tell me what they're telling me maybe it resonates and that's okay so to explore that i'm going to go to a credible source thank them for opening the door a crack and let me see what i can do with it now yeah um but not all of the dangerous not all of the insidious and not all of the downright wrong stuff looks that way. Sometimes it's really polished mm -hmm. and it comes up between videos of cute dogs calling people humans. <laughs> I've never, ever got, I don't have the TikTok. No. I've never logged on to it. <laughs> I don't know what it does. I've seen examples of it because it comes up on other social media. <laughs> but it's a great thing to put out there, mate. And I think we can really boil it down by saying wherever you get information and however you consume information, it's a bit like food going into your body. Avoid the junk and go for the wholesome, mm. smart stuff, the good stuff, the stuff that's going to make you better, not make you worse. Mm.
Yeah. And I like your idea there, Fred, of uh, the importance that community-led treatments and, and approaches ca can take, especially because I think some of these internet communities have uh, some of their roots in the fact that they have felt mistreated by the standard institution, absolutely. by the system. And so, so in those instances, there is absolutely a place for this more grassroots kind of healthcare. But that needs to be paired with, as you say, a, a further exploration of more credentialed and more rigorous support systems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the last thought I have whenever we talk about this stuff is what we believe today might be a pathology may be disproven tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So a big part of this social media democratised information is you've got to stay current. Um, and don't let the labels hit you like a freight train because they just might apply to the other guy and not you. Mm -hmm. Mate, thank you for this week. That's a great one. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I've appreciated your take on this, what I think is a very modern kind of development within the health sciences. Thanks for those thoughts. We'll see you next time on If I Only Knew. Great. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Better Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.